Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I interview movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. Today, Sean Hanna takes us deep into curriculum development, how he researches, the importance of games and fun, and developing with specific audiences in mind. He discusses his role in designing the curriculum for the PK Move study with Marymount University and the specific challenges it presented. Sean shares advice on coaching and designing for adults and seniors before unpacking his current personal curriculum and goals. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Hi, I'm Sean Hanna. Sean Hanna is a coach, athlete, and curriculum developer currently based in Colorado. Before moving out west, Sean spent years as the lead coach at Urban Evolution in Alexandria, Virginia, developing their curriculum. Sean's background in rehab and personal training also led to his involvement in the PK Silver Program development, and he is a member of the PK Move Board. Sean dislikes shoes and being on the ground. Welcome, Sean. Happy to be here, Craig. Sean, I mentioned in the introduction that you're part of the PK Move Board, but I think it's also important for people to know that you were really critical, according to Nancy and her team, you were really critical in the curriculum development for PK Silver. And I think that people may not be aware of the level of work that went into getting from the idea of how to teach parkour to people to making it actually be something that can be done reproducibly and safely. So I'd love to hear more about how much of that you'd want to unpack. As you might imagine, the number one reaction and really the only reaction I get when I tell somebody, yeah, I teach parkour to grandma, (laughs) is like, how? How does that work? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's pretty obvious why that reaction comes through because our reputation precedes us precedes us right so the fun thing about that the challenging thing about that is you know on two tracks working on the perception and then actually developing the curriculum that will you know Mm -hmm. that will actually change the perception and it is a big challenge like okay i I developed a curriculum before for everyone ages you know three to 35 assuming you know a certain level of fitness that's a certain type of parkour Mm -hmm. and that's the one that everybody knows about that you know, most people, even in their twenties, think it's gonna kill me if I try it. <laughs> right, right. It's like, yeah, well, I got, I got Granny back flipping off the roof, son. How do you like them apples? You know, <laughs> you better start laying down. Wow. Yeah, Send so it. even within the community itself, you know, we like when Nancy and I presented PK Silver mm-hmm. at Art of Retreat, it wasn't so much pushback, but it was a great deal of curiosity. Like, how are you? How exactly are we getting like? Are you, is it so vague as to like, is it even parkour now? Mm, right. If an 80 year old can do it, is it actually parkour? So it, it's, it's a good challenge to kind of, to figure out what, like you have to figure out first, what does parkour really mean to you? And then how do you design, how do you like, build out from or on yeah, that? Exactly. So the first thing I had to do was just scrap everything I had written up to that point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that would be considered learning experience. Like, all right, so throw all that out, right? And then? Well, yeah, because it's a whole new challenge, so you need a whole new solution for it. Well, it's not whole new in the sense they, you know, someone over the age of 65 still has arms and legs, usually. Right. Well, in this scenario, you're given, I'm arms and legs, and then, you know, they speak yeah. English, right? Like, you can talk to them. Yeah, and they still need to get from one place to another. Now, their locomotion is going to be highly constrained depending on their situation, Uh but most of the time, as you get over 65, your movement, your getting from A to B is within your own house mm-hmm. most of the time. 
And that can be pretty challenging for someone who's 75 and has fallen and whose hip is a little bit creaky and whose knees don't work and they're right. scared of going down to the basement yeah, to get something. Deconditioned. And, and that's and, your Superman front flip off the roof. Right. Okay. Yeah, like that you're talking about my mom's, my parents' generation. And to them, the laundry machines are usually in the basement and like laundry becomes a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so what if we apply the same mindset and the same curriculum to that challenge that we would getting a teenager to, you know, do a backflip off a parking garage? Not that we do, you know, it's not necessarily it. promote that there, behavior, right. but yeah, it is super cool when you can do it. But you take the same, same approach. First, make it a game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Take the fear away from it and turn it into exploration. Right. So there's a big scary monster in the basement called this week's laundry. Right. Okay. How are we going to confront the monster? Well, what's the game? Well, the game is get downstairs. What are the tools you can use? Okay, well, what's our locomotive skill set for going down to some stairs? It's probably going to be walking. Walking or the butt most, scooting. Or the right, most yeah. underrated skill in parkour is walking correctly. I, I like to, I would try to explain it to kids unsuccessfully <laughs> in my, my, like my six to eight classes, you know, because they want, they come to a parkour gym and they want to live a video game. You're like, yeah, all right, well, flip off the parking garage. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do all that, but we're also going to like really walk well. Like, you know, <laughs> like, it's like yawn. Bro, like, yeah, I got that. I got shut that. up, child. Here's the thing. <laughs> you know, I know you're playing your Minecrafts and your Tomb Raiders and your yes. Super Mario worlds. And I know there's a lot of running, jumping, climbing, flipping, rolling, whatever in it. But most of the time you're just walking around. Right. Don't forget that. Walking is, you know, the most basic and useful form of exploration. Arguably, and that's how you get treasure, treasure chests and a sword upgrade. Human beings' secret power, our superpower, is magic mushroom. Although I didn't advocate magic Magic mushroom mushroom. ingestion (laughs) by children. How does that work out with the kids' classes when you give them the magic mushroom? Does that turn into a? It runs a lot smoother. You just got to make sure the parents aren't looking, and they're usually not. They're on their phones. That's a whole nother discussion. All right. So, yeah. so scary laundry monster in the basement, walking locomotion. Yeah. And so you apply that mindset to the task of how do we get downstairs to confront laundry monster? And that's where the basis of curriculum comes from. Cause you think, all right, well, parkour is multidimensional in 3d. So is going downstairs. How many different ways are there to go downstairs? Ask that question first, make it fun. Well, what's the way that scares you? Just going yeah, down face forward. Yeah, That's usually yeah. the scariest one. Like, well, of course that scares you. That's the most risk-laden way to go downstairs. Let's try it 10 different ways, ways and see which one's the most gentle, which one's actually kind of interesting, which one is the one where you can face a guardrail and act like you're sneaking close up to the wall going down it. Now you can feel like a ninja and your knees don't hurt and it's like kind of sneaky and fun and you're actually doing like 20 squats on your way down yep, and, and up. the way up, right. Yeah, so you're sneaking in the fitness while solving the problem, while making it entertaining, while engaging their imagination, while removing the fear of the thing that they didn't want to do. Yeah. And you just snuck quality of life in the door with all the fun, right? Everything we do in parkour for people that want to climb up a 10 foot wall, you just did for laundry monster. Right. And it's just locomotion. You're using locomotion and games to teach. And that's all parkour is from age three to 300. If Methuselah wants to learn parkour, there's a way, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd be interested in your thoughts on the types of challenges that seniors face on average. So, you know, I kind of artificially made up the, the basement, which obviously you have thought about with the laundry monster isn't a new idea to you, but I'm wondering what other types of things do they face? Because people listening who aren't seniors, which I think is all five of the listeners, mm-hmm. people who are listening, they're going to wonder like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And the next question is like, what other challenges do they face that we weren't expecting? 
what's fun about confronting the challenge in perception about why why parkour and grandma? How does that mix? Mm-hmm. So you can ask kind of a leading question. It's like, you're asking me that because you think parkour is like people falling off the roof. <laughs> right. <laughs> and my answer to that is, yes, parkour is about people falling off the roof and controlling their impact and dispersing it correctly and chaining that to a different type of locomotion with no fear and no problems and right. no long-lasting knee damage if you trained for it correctly. Is there anything useful about that for a population whose number one cause of death every year is falling down. Yeah. I see, yes. I see no connection. What's, oh, sorry. Yes. yes <laughs> I do think the masters of falling have something to teach a population who might actually need parkour more than anyone else. That's where I turn it around. Yeah. That's where I turn it around because it happens to be true. So it's easier that way. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I don't remember what lies you tell. That's yeah. my problem. No, because it, because it, it, let me, let me throw some scary stats at you. One in four people over the age of 65 will fall down. Okay. One in every four year. over 65. Yeah, every 25% year. 25% of people over 60. We're talking tens of millions of yeah, people. I need, to call will my mom. Fall. I need to call my mom. <laughs> my mom's over 65, and I don't know if yeah. she's falling yet this year. Mom, are you sitting down? <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you don't st- move. I'm going to tell you a statistic. Or better yet, mom, have you fallen yet this year? No, shove. <laughs> don't move until you sign you up for some parkour, parkour classes. Class. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail your train of thought. So one in four over 65 once a year, millions of people. We'll fall down. Every 11 seconds, someone is admitted to an ER for falling down. Yikes. Every 19 minutes, someone over the age of 65 dies from a fall. We're talking tens of billions of dollars, hundreds of hours in healthcare, Mm -hmm. or hundreds of thousands of hours in healthcare, tragedy within family. I mean, this is real. This is real. 25,000 deaths every year. And this is 2015. I can't imagine it's gotten a lot better. Thanks, iPhone. I'm like, it's 2019, but (laughs) you mean the stats are from 2015. I just had like a senior moment, like, wait, what year is it? But I see what you're saying. So that's the recent stats from 2015. And I'm going to go out on a limb and and guess that the fear of falling is an even bigger quality of life challenge for these people. So they know everybody falls. Yeah. So falling is like the main cause of like, PTSD over the age of 55. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. Even if you don't, even if the worst case scenario doesn't happen, if you don't die or get some massive complication from a fall, just the act of falling can instill a fear with you, which massively constrains your field of action. Hmm. As any, any athlete understands, fear cuts down on your locomotive capacity. Right. Any movement you're doing can be impacted by doubt, fear, uncertainty. Right. Now it makes now, like a vicious circle. I'm afraid. So my dexterity, like physiologically, my dexterity gets lower. And then guess what that leads to? Falling. Leads to falling because it leads to uh, even more defensive and immobile postures. We, most people who are hunched over, I mean, yeah, that can be, you know, long-term fascial imbalances, but a lot of it is mental. You can take someone who's afraid of movement, who's all curled mm-hmm. up when they're walking around and just force them to stick their head against the back of a wall and stand up straight. And they discover that they can do it. They thought they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And you can explain to them, yeah, you thought that. But in reality, your mechanics still work the same as when you were 20 years old and not afraid of Laundry Monster. Let's work on that. Hmm. Let's go further with the idea of curriculum. So you know, you've given me some really neat ideas about how you would share parkour with this older generation, but the 
PK Move group did a study with Marymount University. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me, um, I mean, whatever, whatever about it you want to unpack, but my interest is like, like, how did you, what did you actually teach them? And then what results did you see? That would be the, my first question about it. So the Marymount study was my first chance to do my really deep, deep dive into parkour for seniors. Um, up to this point, I had helped writ- write the coaching manual, which was kind of a general overview of biomechanics mm-hmm. and parkour pedagogy as it might relate to someone in their 70s. Um, and I'd done most of this remotely, so I wasn't working one-on-one uh, with, our, with, with our PK right. Silver classes. But now with the study, I was being asked to write, like, it's a minute-by-minute curriculum for eight weeks of classes. So this is the first time I'd actually written a full-on multi-month class structure detailed down to, like, here's what you do at minute eight. Mm -hmm. Here's what you do at minute 14. What we hadn't done up to that point, which was build out every skill we want a person to learn from start to finish in a way that goes from simple to complex and gradually increases the risk for a room full of 80 year olds I've never seen. Mm. So that was a challenge. Um, <laughs> like a, that was, that was a bit of a challenge. Yeah, just, but I, so, so let's not, I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm not actually, by the way, I'm not a parkour coach. People listening know that, but you don't, I don't coach parkour, but I'm wondering like, would you like, do you start with movement screens or how do you even, it's like, do you just walk and give them a, like give them a bump and see whether they stumble? Like, how do you even begin to assess? Yeah. I just give them a little shove well, not a, for their balance I, I, I mean, test. Just a little like, bump to oh, see lost whether they, another one. <laughs> no, all right. Sorry. Good point. Touche. No, but it's like, how do you do that? Like, how do you do those screens on the first day and, Uh, So we had pretty extensive health history forms, as you might imagine. And we also had a pretty thorough screening process through the university. It can only be a certain type of 80-year-old that's going to qualify for this. (laughs) Cut them in half and count the rings? Or what what do you mean by a certain type? That would have been a lot quicker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then another one was (laughs) like... So uh, obviously they can't have any current major health conditions like oh right almost everyone over the age of 70s got something, something you know but it, you know if they are less than x months removed from a heart attack if they're currently smoking if they're x or y right if they have asthma if they ha- you know so we had to get healthyish people right. in their 70s and 80s who you know weren't teaching someone movement over the age of 70 if they're if they've been sedentary for decades is difficult in any context, physical therapy, all the way to jumping off the roof. Right. right? But we wanted that to a certain extent. We needed people who were going from almost totally immobile to, we're going to do that crazy internet shit. Mm -hmm. And first of all, that's going to eliminate a lot of people (laughs) just, just off of like, well, I don't think I want to participate in that. Yeah. But if you, if you present it correctly, and the the big hook for us again is fall prevention, social isolation, and fun. You know, you're targeting people who are constrained in their field of action because of their fear, maybe their lack of relationships and their lack of mobility and their lack of access to a program like this. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you told a person without bringing parkour into the conversation, if you told someone over 70, I can make you strong enough 
not to fall down and you're going to have a great time doing it. Would you be interested in something like that if it was free? <laughs> right. Shit, yes. <laughs> yeah, almost none of them are going to say no, right? So we made sure not to mention parkour until they'd already said yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, now sign this waiver I'll and don't read the tiny, little, the tiny little thing at the bottom. explains what parkour is. Yeah. So, I don't want to be a French firefighter. You lied. <laughs> I, just, I, I do this vision in my head. This is horrible, but I cannot stop myself. When, when you're 70 and you jump off the top of the parking garage, is the proper order to throw the walker before you or do you push it after they jump? <laughs> No, you use you you do the telescopic hooks that are on the ends of your walker, and you use it for a rapid descent down oh, the side of the building. You don't just jump. jump. People listening in the parkour community, please teach your students of all ages. <laughs> you don't have to just jump. jump. <laughs> <laughs> we're I'm sure you already are, but we're, it, we're it bears being, repeating all the time. We're being facetious. I can't. So resist many them. ways to get around, but I, I really just the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> i cut you off by you know making a walker joke but um i i know you really have like deep you have tons of stuff you want to say so you were you were talking about screening them and just picking those people like who's yeah gonna be and so once we had our people now i'm trying to figure out what am i gonna make them do because i i had an idea of what people should do and i've taught older parkour classes mm. and in my training experience i've dealt with you know, rehabilitation with people in their 60s, coming off of surgeries, coming off of cancer, coming off of, you know, all the vagaries of life and trying to get back to it. So, I, you know, I wasn't shooting blind, but I wasn't seeing them. Mm. So, I had to be extremely detailed for the coaches about what exactly we're going to do. And it was such a fun challenge because I'm thinking, okay, I've got scared 80-year-olds on week one. And by week eight, I've got to get them in a park doing obstacle courses. Mm -hmm. What's how do you fill that gap, you know? And I've done this for, you know, kids and teenagers and youngish adults mostly. What's that gap look like for an 80-year-old? And I I hadn't dealt with the question in that kind of detail yet. And what that brought out and what's going to fuel the next phase of our curriculum in PK Move is understanding that posture and balance just on one point, actually not locomotion. <laughs> we both just sat up straighter. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It's great. All you have to do is tell people because everyone slouches yeah. and sucks at just sitting. Mm -hmm. And that was the point. And that was that filled out almost the first three weeks of, that, of that study. Well, we definitely got them moving on day, but we moved from the curriculum moved from a single point to three-dimensional, right? So you've got point. Then you've got two points, which is a line, and then you've got three points, which is like a vector, And but then you bring it into 3D. Now you've got multiple dimensions. What does that look like for someone who's 80? Well, we're going to spend a lot of time on the single point. Mm. And for all the Minecraft kids listening out there, my Fortnite players who want to do parkour, single point is still your best training tool. And it's seriously overlooked in the community. Because it's hard to make money selling ninja stuff where you're just standing on one foot for a while. But what I discovered writing this curriculum is there's so much that can be gained mm. in full-on, high-speed, dynamic, three-dimensional parkour from standing on one leg and playing with a broom. Mm. Stuff like that. So I had a really great time thinking about, can standing be parkour? Can I sitting I be parkour? So. Sure. 
can get can just getting down on the ground be parkour well actually yeah for someone who's 70 the adventure from just standing up to getting down on the ground to getting back up that's actually a serious process that can be broken down into multiple steps and actually taught for like 30 minutes at a time Hmm. and if you ask most 70 year olds to pick something up on the ground a they don't want to do it b they'll probably ask you why you can't do it for them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why you pick it you're up you're here you put it there right? you're here young man you pick it up for me but that goes to the question of autonomy right like yes if you're going to talk about teaching parkour to seniors then you have to get in your headspace as a coach as a curriculum writer as someone who shares this with people like what if your field of action is restrained to just up and down yeah not forward around sideways three dimensions what if you just can't get to the ground what does that parkour look like how do you make a game out of that how do you make it fun so what was it what was fun to see as the curriculum writer for this study was because i didn't know what was going to happen i kind of went into it with a broad toolkit and just started throwing shit at the wall and to see what would work before i sent it out to virginia to actually be practiced on real 80 year olds i was doing this in my kitchen and I kept learning over and over again, or the the curriculum kept coming to me as a surprise. Like, no, this is what we actually need to do. You know, this Else. is what we actually need to do. And so much of it was not actually going anywhere. I'm going to teach locomotion by not going anywhere. That was a surprise. I think one of my really pleasant surprises from this study, from writing this curriculum, was, and something that I can't wait to share again as a parkour coach for all ages just to see if I can make the kids do it is try to convince them that staying in one place is actually vital to your parkour training. And my, the easiest example to think of is a precision jump. What is a precision jump? You're landing on a single point. What's the perfect execution of a precision jump? The stick, the stick. Yeah. And not just a stick, but a soft stick, right? So that means you're controlling that final point with perfect skill. Well, when I, what I discovered so often was that I would get kids into my classes, athletic teenagers too. We're talking kids that came from other sports. Mm-hmm. And first of all, no one can, no one can precision jump when they start, right? Right. Not the way the parkour people mean precision right. jump. <laughs> but the way we teach it or the way a lot of us coaches teach it is by precision jumping a lot. Right. But I used to take my classes out and just make them stand on the edge of the curb for 10 seconds at a time just to see if they could. Yeah. Forget the arrival part. Can you do this? Just to collect my own data. Yeah. Right. Be like, how many out of 10 today can stand on a curb the end of a precision jump? Yeah. The balls of your feet on the edge and your heels for 10 seconds. Yeah. Usually a couple out of 10. Usually because they're talking to each other. Mm. Like, all right, goofball. Focus. Yeah. Now focus. Be a silly ninja and see how long you can stay. Then everyone gets 10 seconds. Mm. Now let's do it for a minute. Uh, like, yeah, that's the next stage of the program is actual <laughs> discipline. Imitation. Uh, now just stand here for a minute. Right. And it was always a challenge to get them to do it unless, once again, if you can get them into the mindset, if you can, like, this is an adventure. Right. If you guys can stand still, I'll take you to the next part of the adventure. Mm. And that's where... I found so much of my progression in kids and teenage classes was like, yeah, we're going to start by standing around really good. Yeah. (laughs) And then maybe we'll be on the top of the foam pit, jump into a rail like maniacs for no reason. Right. Right. 
but so, they, don't, they don't standing around. This is something that they do. Yeah. And, and I drew on that experience writing for seniors. So I'm like, all right, well, let's just start at step one, like I did with the kids. But we're going to stay on step one right. for like a long time. And we're going to master step one in ways that the kids will refuse to do. It's right. like, I got them to do the first couple of standing around drills. I'm going to, I'm going to have grandma do like 20 standing around drills where she's got one leg out, where she's holding a broom or she's poking a demon in the face in her kitchen, right? wherever your imagination takes you, but you're going to do it while standing. And from that developed drills that I never dreamed of doing in my kids' classes that now I wish I could because mm. they're so fun and so low risk. Give me one. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me one on the top of your head. Um, well, one of my favorite ones was, again, you, you get them holding a broom. So imagine like they've got the the wooden end of the broom down, the brush is up, and they're just standing holding it, you know, like an American Gothic painting. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, people in the American Gothic, right. look that up. And now, now this is a weight distribution exercise. First of all, I want you to get equal weight in both feet, which – for 99% of the population, if you get them to think about it, they're off balance. You, you, me, right. I'm totally off balance. I've had injuries in my left leg that make me favor my weight in my right, right, which is why my hips are unlevel. I have to think about standing correctly all the time to work it out. So you get them holding the broom, now put equal weight in your feet. All right, now slide over and put weight on the broom. Now slide back and take weight off the broom. Now pick up one leg, broom and foot is equal. You can do that all day. Right. And it's going to be super interesting to someone who's A, never done it before, and B, it's actually challenging. And now you're showing them, like, this is parkour too. And we're not going anywhere. We're barely doing anything. And you're already really, really challenged. And you're smiling. Just wait till I have you pick the broom up and you're on one leg and you're doing a stabbing motion at, right. you know, whatever the physical manifestation of your fears are. Your husband, right? Yeah. yeah. Imagine now, imagine your spouse three feet away. Now turn the broom around. Imagine having sharpened it. Now imagine yeah. prison fight. Isn't this exciting? Isn't this exciting, Gam Gam? Shiv on shiv. 20 stabs. One, two, three. Three, put the broom down. Switch oh, hands. you came off your mark. mark. You're oh. not a ninja yet. All right, ready? Pick your knee up. Now stab, stab, stab. <laughs> Grandma's having fun. This is science. This was in a study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm um, I, lo- I like humor. I love when, when, you know, when the guests have things to say which are funny. But the things you're saying are really is that really, funny because it was true. No, I was just laughing. It was also true. Yeah, I was going to say you, the the truth I was just laughing because you were laughing. Often ridiculous. But what I <laughs> <laughs> could not make this stuff up. Um, so no, I did. No, I mean, uh, good point. All right, touche. Ow, stab me with a room handle. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> so you you, you actually, uh, which is perfect. You actually pulled this back to this was in a study, and I think like ten minutes ago I said something like, "What were the results of the study?" Um, let's let's tie that up in a bow because this results sure. of the study. Well, no. I'm not going to spoil it. You spoil it. Okay. And so, yeah, the, the whole broom stabbing uh, adventure worked out as far as preliminary science is concerned. Uh, they really liked the first round. They ordered up a second round, and now they're publishing, and it's going to be presented at, a, at the American College of Sports Medicine conference here in May, and mm-hmm. we're going down there to, yeah, to talk present. about it with people. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Grandma stabs in her kitchen. Johnny gets to go to Orlando. <laughs> yeah. How about that? <laughs> Isn't life fun? No, that's A to B. <laughs> <laughs>
Sean, in the intro, I also mentioned the 401 PK program at Urban Evolution. Mm-hmm. And if, just in case that's not patently obvious, everybody, 401 as in 401 retirement funds. So it's a parkour program for people who are retired. Sorry, I'm just unpacking the, funds. Un- unpack they're the, best. the obvious. Um, so Especially the f- when they're used for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so 401 PK, do you want to unpack um, what you did for the curriculum? And I think this is going to be an entire curriculum episode, which is awesome. You want to unpack um, how that program worked? Because I'm guessing that was obviously, well, I'm guessing that was very different from the seniors because you're looking at a, a more active or a less deconditioned Sure, sure. So I could I could probably credit my work in 401 PK with like giving me some of the seeds of uh, what I would have to you know cultivate later in teaching parkour to seniors. So mm-hmm. that class was um, our our program for attracting over fifty five, over fifty, right? It was over thirty five in 401. <gasps> Yeah, and this is where I met Nancy, and I would love to talk about her being like one of my greatest success stories. You are, you but, are, but she wasn't, or you are you don't want to because you're allowed to talk about anything you want to talk about. Well, well, you know, like most of the problem was getting people over the fear of trying. With right. Nancy, it was like you need more fear, and I failed to instill <laughs> it in you. I think the story I heard was she saw Seb do the run at the front of Casino Royale, and she's like slapping her husband, like I want to do that. You know, like, which yeah, which is not your normal. Most entry. of us were, but most of us weren't Nancy Nancy's about age, it. right? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> 401pk marketing getting people in the door right trying to keep nancy out well, <laughs> but she wore me down with persistence but that that was a fun challenge for me for two reasons one like how does the marketing change you know how do we attract the cuz the biggest thing we kept seeing I'm you know in every park where jim understands us now is the parents bring the kids mm-hmm. this is our business model the parents bring the kids the parents go sit down right once in a while they look up with that little glint in their eye, like I was eight once. And then that's our opportunity. You can be eight again (laughs) (laughs) in a very limited fashion. Sign up for our adult classes, you know? So four one PK was our version of that. And I was tasked with figuring out like, okay, like how do we do the same stuff without killing people? Right. (laughs) Because if mom doesn't come, the kids don't come. And don't break mom with just both of them. Right. Yeah. And it's another not success story in parkour business. Right. We have to keep people alive and healthy enough to do it. And so the the big challenging curriculum with someone over 35 is first convincing that they can do it and be as a coach understanding like what that really means. Like how do you constrain all of these drills to someone who can probably do a lot of what the 20s, you know, and teenage kids are doing, but much more susceptible to injury yeah, and connective tissue degradation, degradation. Yeah, just the reality is a modern mm. living, you know, they sit around and make money so mm. the kids can come here. Yeah. So what that ended up being was, well, first of all, it was really fun for me because at this point I was in my thirties too, and my knees were hurting and I was hitting my own wall where it's like, how am I going to do parkour? when I'm 40 and 50, if this is how I feel now. And a lot of that was just the schedule. Coaches out there know this. Teaching's brutal. And if you don't have the time or you make the excuses that you don't have the time to repair your body every single day for teaching. what's the first thing that goes? My personal recovery, because I have to go teach. Right. The grind. It's the life. That's why I got out. (laughs) I feel great now, by the way. (laughs) Knees, springy. 
Um, <laughs> so challenges to luring in the 35 year olds and dealing with their age specific weaknesses. Yeah. Um, um, so the first part of that had to come from my credibility as a coach be like, look, first of all, I'm in my thirties and I'm still jumping off the roof, but the, it's a, in a very limited way. You know, I can't do this like I could when I first started, even though my technique is improved, even though my conditioning is better, yeah, the amplitude is more sane no. and because I've also learned how to do it the wrong way mm. and because I have to take care of myself so much more than the kids do, I, I can share all this with you. Plus, just give me one class. And, mm. and my, my big pitch in the class was, can I make the same types of drills with like three different obstacle sets, but constrain it to like three feet, constrain it to dismounts as opposed to jumps? Like it, the key is actually pretty simple. We all understand why parkour hurts. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the fun stuff is the most dynamic and high impact. I love jumping off of everything. I also know I can't do it every right. time. It's that last eighth of an inch of the bottom. Every that sucks. time. So, so really in that sense, it doesn't change except you have the opportunities. You have an audience that's way more perceptive of, of it because they don't want to get hurt either. Right. You get under the age of like 22, 21, like, I'm immortal, I don't care. Like, oh, you're, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll see you in a few years, right. maybe. But someone who's 35, yeah, they're, they're so willing to hear that message. Yeah, they've had at least one, pretty basically, everybody's had at least one serious injury by the time you're 35. You're like, broken something, had something half ripped off, and you're like, I do not want to do that again. Right. So this makes it so much easier to sell the, like, the mid-range parkour stuff that for me is so fun. Like, everyone rags on rail flow. Oh, it's lame. I love rail flow. I don't flow. rag on rail flow. I don't group rail with those losers. Rail flow is awesome. Yes. <laughs> for coordination, for balance, for fun, yeah. for learning break dancing with a core you power, know. proprioception, equanimity, yeah, Everything we balance. teach yes, with jumping off there. of stuff with it's all in there. almost zero ligament damage if you're doing it competently. Yeah. Right? So there's so much and then and that and it aided my practice as well. I learned how to sustain parkour for 30, 40 years for my own practice mm -hmm. by teaching it to other 30, 40-year-olds thinking like, okay, well, how would I do this if my number one goal today was just cardiovascular strength, right? Mm. I just want my lungs stronger. I don't want anything to happen to my knees. I just want to be able to do my mid-range parkour longer. Okay. What do those drills look like? And that was stuff that I wasn't challenged to do in the kids' classes, Right. Because yeah. the kids' class is like, how do I make this as fun as possible while not breaking anybody's neck? Right. Okay. How and do keep I keep them in really passionately engaged? How do I keep them engaged? Well, yeah. they want jumps. Yeah. Right. But so, like, looping back to the, the middle age bracket, um, what would you say? Because obviously, you have a very uh, unique viewpoint and a unique experience set to work from. So, what would you say is the biggest hindrance? So, like, they, these, this age group shows up and they all do this, or this is the biggest problem that I face as a coach. And what do you think is their? superpower that they have and i think you kind of hinted at the superpower but like what's their biggest weakness and what's their kryptonite and what's their superpower they're bound up in the same reaction so the, the reaction is usually fear-based mm -hmm. and that's where the gift is so they're afraid because they don't want to get hurt because they don't want to get hurt they're willing to take the advice from you as a coach that you just can't give the kids. Mm. And because of that, they learn low to mid range parkour and make it beautiful in ways that are very, it's very hard to teach an eight year old unless you get a very creative and attentive eight year old who's willing to listen to you. Right. Like really listen to you. And that's where <laughs> someone like Nancy comes along who had, who's very childlike in her in, world. Yeah, in the view, good way. Right. But, has the experience and knowledge of understanding what her limitations are. 
And then six months into a class, her rail flow is one of the best in the gym. And it's beautiful to watch. It's not a rooftop jump, but it's the same art form. And it's being applied beautifully, silently, connected, flowing, efficient. And you can see the, I'm going to guess, because I've seen people move like that. You can see the passion and the joy in them. It just comes out in the movement. Yeah, They're not just smiling the whole chore, time right? too. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it, it's the same reaction I get doing, you know, uh, a rail bridge jump. Mm-hmm. Every time I stick one, you know, I, I wiggle a little bit. I'm yeah. so happy. Like the, yes. <laughs> I've been spotted sticking rail pre's and then yeah. doing the Egyptian it's, and then stepping off. <laughs> yeah. And and so in the 401pk classes I was noticing as they as a, as the curriculum started to harden and take shape and you know the the students got consistent like it became the most fun class to teach because the students were having the most fun. The kids mm. were still all caught up with yeah. their problems. Giant What's the other circle. kid doing? Why can't I do this? I want to go if you cut in front I of me. I want to do oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Caught mm. up with their stuff but the adults are just three-year-olds goofing around yeah with a brain and, and attention span with a brain and attention span did so. you uh so i didn't mean to cut you off but like i got like 19 more things i want to ask now so did you have to also i was gonna say deliver the curriculum to other coaches or did it all fall to you to coach it because what i want to ask is people who are listening are like oh i want to teach this stuff how how does one pick it up as a coach can they i mean certainly they could i would say reach out to you and you'd probably love to train them on it but just generally did you have to you had to invent the curriculum deliver the curriculum to the students but then did you also have to package it as a thing that you had to give to other coaches because if you could give us some tips on how coaches would pick up the ability to deliver such curriculum to the stage group that would be really useful to people for people to hear sure um two places uh first i would want Every coach who's going to think about teaching parkour to someone over the age of, God, I would even say 30, 25 yeah, now. 30, 25. Yeah. Thanks, iPhone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, would, uh, I would say first you have to get a general grounding in biomechanics because everything is a biomechanical problem when you're talking about movement to some degree or another. And if you can – if you – Take the age off a person and just look at the mechanics of their body. How are those joint patterns moving? Mm-hmm. You're, you can intelligently come up with a solution faster. Now, the problem in parkour coaching, obviously, is this is still very new, and most of the coaches are under the age of 25. Yeah, and, and they came up through the ranks. Most people that I know who teach parkour started by doing parkour, and then, you know, it's a passion. And so coach they, later. And they coach, they go into, they grow into coaching. Right, you know, and... You can see it with some of them. Some people have the gift. Some people can just look at what a person's doing and understand what needs to happen. But that's pretty rare in someone under 25. And even if they have it, you don't have enough life. You don't, you haven't experienced enough pain. (laughs) (laughs) But that is true. In your your mind and in your joints and in your soul. (laughs) To understand what a you know what a forty five year old is experiencing, you just, just haven't. Did this just turned into like two old guys bitching at the world. Is that what's happened? To- <laughs> oh, I got a lot of that. You know when you invite someone under the age of thirty over to your house, no, and then they show up, and then they text you here, and then they sit in their car. What is that? <laughs> we didn't text you that we were here. We did sit in our car. Though. I know, 
<laughs> and I appreciate that the way you just walked to the door <laughs> and rang and, the doorbell and rang the doorbell, not worried that you might be confronted by a person you weren't planning on seeing. God, what is the? So there's a ton of setup because I got at least scenes. half an hour on that so, shit. But got, let's redirect. <laughs> so there's a, there's a little bit of context. There's a ton of uh, I had to travel here, and there's somebody that works with me when we do this, and we both are, like we had coffee, and then we came here. So you need to get to places early enough that you're not late, but we also don't like to be ringing doorbells 20 or 30 minutes early and surprising people. So we're like sitting in the driveway, both on our phones, like doing work. And then it's like 10 o'clock. I saw that. I was doing, I I was at this window right here, like doing a little PT and I was looking out the window. I'm like, they're probably just prepping, but if they text me here, I'm going to fucking lose it. (laughs) No, it actually never. We would. It just never have occurred to us. It was just like we were. I was actually checking in. Yeah, I know on the rest of the team. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> right. That we already most- had several electronic exchanges about this. It's just ten more feet yeah. on your own. <laughs> Boy, am I glad I didn't text you? <laughs> what is the? Do you want me to come out of my house, come over to your car, and escort you back into my house? <laughs> No, we got it covered. Do you not know how to do that? Do you need an app? Oh, God. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yes. Somebody other than me says it in the pot. I say that all the time. Get off my lawn. Coaches, picking Yo. up movement and kinesiology and teaching it to middle-aged people. So you haven't suffered enough pain. You need to practice. You need to learn more. That's where right. you were before I derailed you. Right. And, and at Urban Evolution, we were very good about making sure that our assistant coaches – that I was hmm? lean in. Yo, hey. Yo, hey. Hi. <laughs> if you sit Should back, I restart that? No, you can keep going. It's just that it, it, it'll sound different. If you get in here, it's very personal. Right. So, yeah, you can't, you know, age a 20 year old and give them the experience to understand. So, you need some kind of basic scientific grounding in biomechanics, kinesiology. That's just standard. And we were very good at Urban Evolution of making sure, uh, you know, our, our young coaches had to learn the basics. What are the planes of motion? Mm, What are the mm -hmm. kinetic forces that act on the body? Like you need a little bit of jargon. You just do. But beyond that, how do you impart, how do you, A, get them to wrap that jargon around parkour movement and B, deliver that to someone whose mechanics are going to, I mean, all the kids that come in, I've jacked up mechanics too. Right. But it's not going to cost them a knee or an ankle as yeah, quickly as it will. Margin of um the big buffer of capability. Yeah. So the plainest advice I can give other than you need a background in mechanics would be develop your mid-range more, you know? Develop your mid-range more. And what I mean by that, it's not not just rail flow, but like how often do you practice five foot jumps? You know, I I think about a guy like Max Henry, mm-hmm. who we all know has outstanding technique but if you were to if you were an average person who doesn't do parkour and only looked at max henry's instagram you'd be like look at this crazy person he does all this huge stuff right it's like yeah but he also trains very intelligently and i know for a fact he trains his mid him and i geeked out talking about walking for like an hour once you know and he's so into it. Yes. Max Henry loves to walk. Yes. The, the things you see. <laughs> and on, he's great at it. Yes. The things you see on his Instagram are one aspect of what he does. And you're right. I've, I've trained with him for an afternoon. And yeah, the stuff that we were, he's, he's like a, a little kid in terms of his inquisitiveness. And he's just as intrigued by the three foot challenge that I decide to try that's sketching me out as he is by the 15 foot challenge that somebody else came up with and said, Max, can you do this? Like all those things. Talk yeah. To me. I'm off on a tangent. Yeah, no, exactly. So, you, so if you're a young coach, 
teaching someone who's older than you, which can be intimidating for the coach too, right? Yeah. And maybe we should try and unpack like how, like, as you said, you had two things and I, I think I cut you off before you even did the second one, but like, is there a way, like, what would, it, what advice would you have for a younger coach when they're at like, and that can be any age, who's faced with somebody who's like twice their age? Mm-hmm. Um, like, is there like a, how, how do you prep talk that coach when you're going to, okay, I'm going to send you into the 10, 44 year olds and you're 22 you know, don't try and like hose the decks with testosterone. They're just going to go like, oh, yawn, look, a 22-year-old. Like, how mm-hmm. do you coach them to have the right mindset to be uh, believable, but that's not quite the right word, but be believable as a coach? Stay in and be fascinated by the mid-range. Mm. If you're a good practitioner of parkour, not even a great one, just a good one, you've developed your mid-range. You've developed standing on one leg really well, balancing. You've developed rail walking, you've developed rail flow, you've developed three to six foot jumps, Mm -hmm. you've developed descents instead of just jumping and rolling. Mm -hmm. You've developed all the things that are sustainable throughout a lifetime of movement and not just the cool Instagram shit, right? I mean, you got to do that. Like if your passion is, I'm really into the big power stuff, then you need to do that too. But So, So what I would say to what I used to say to some of the coaches that were, were coming into 401 PK was stay in, but also be fascinated by the mid range. In other words, if you're, and this holds true across all sports, all disciplines, it's like, if you're not interested in what you're teaching, they're not going to be either. interested in learning. Right. And remember how amazed you were the first time you did like a speed vault mm-hmm. and you didn't chunk and hit the ground when you did it mm-hmm. and your hand placement was right and it just felt effortless it's like that's that's what we're really teaching yeah, here convey not that and we're not even maybe going up to speed vault yet but we're we're being fascinated by the small in between intermediate steps that aren't sexy that'll never make a cool youtube but the initial building blocks is should have been what captured your imagination first thinking well I mean, Casino Royale captured our imagination first, (laughs) but then later on we discovered like here are, you know, this is actually a whole system and all those little in-between steps. If you don't get fascinated by them and interested in how they build into these superhuman feats, then you're not going to be a good practitioner yourself and you definitely won't be able to teach it to someone over the age of 30. Sean, we've spent a bunch of time talking about curriculum and, and that's great and I'd love to do that forever. But earlier you mentioned very briefly, and I didn't miss it, you mentioned very briefly that you are currently spending your time building your training and building your own personal curriculum. And I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if you'd care to share any of what's going on inside, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Superman's hall. No, no. What was the crystal palace? Like what's going on in Superman's crystal palace these days? It was the fortress of solitude. <sighs> Fortress of Solitude, yes, okay. Tomato, tomato. No, wrong versus right. It's Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> it's 2019. We're post-fact. Well, okay. It's fine. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so I think I've gotten to a point where a lot of parkour people, and really like just movement, you can't see, I did air quotes with my fingers, movement people. I saw, I saw it. It was air quoted. I saw it. Yeah. Quote. Movement people get to. Uh, whether they come from parkour, capoeira, breakdancing, mm-hmm. um, all of these systems that prize like three-dimensional agile movement, you get to a point where you start to see the overlaps between them all, and that beco- that forms the basis of your training. So for myself, uh, obviously parkour is my first entry point, 
But now uh, I've been practicing, I've been getting into breakdancing the past year and saw all the gaps in my physical Mm -hmm. development that that exposed that I can then take back to a system like park. Like I'm, I'm doing things now in parkour that I couldn't do, you know, in my quote unquote prime when I was teaching and at a very high level, just because so much of it was linear where Mm -hmm. breakdancing is circular, but there's overlap between those two systems. And so now that influences my training. Like what joint angles do I train now compared to when I was training for parkour on top of that, I've taken up a circus training, uh, tramp wall, straps, aerials, all that stuff. And that's a totally different end of the spectrum. Whereas in breakdancing, you're practicing extremely closed joint chain movements where your elbows dug into your rib cage. Yeah, I was going to say unpack closed versus I know what closed and open is, but unpack closed and open. Sure. So if you can think of open joint chain as like a straight arm, a completely perfect ballet straight arm, whereas a closed system would be a completely like imagine touching your hand to your shoulder. Like, God, I, I was physiologist. Say, I can explain that I was going to say, if you imagine the most basic step <laughs> yeah. fault, you're making a closed system with your arms and your legs, and it's a physically nailed in place structure, as opposed to when a ballerina stands on her toe, the whole thing is entirely yeah. open system, unconstrained, physically unconstrained. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot and then have to say it, but yes. Anyway, no, I went so, to school for it. I should be ready. <laughs> so, now, come on. Now, I, I screwed up Crystal Palace. That was trivial, but like open and closed chains, bro. Come on, bring it. So you were doing close, you discovered that breakdance is circles and closed chains before I interrupted you. Right. So in, in my conception of parkour, at least my previous conception and the way I taught it was parkour exists as a mid range practice that borrows from maybe a dozen other systems and like alters the form a little bit, bastardizes it. If you like, but but what i mean is like when when i would do things in parkour and people would ask me did you do gymnastics i'm like no this is a aesthetically awful gymnastic movement if we're calling it gymnastics but it works for getting over a picnic table it just has some similarities right or when i would do rail flow people asked me do you break dance and i'd be like no but i'm i'm thinking about it the same way it's it's a dance and i'm using a lot of postures that aid you in break dance movements Mm -hmm almost by accident. And I think people who do parkour long enough discover this, like you're stealing from climbing, you're stealing from track and field, and you can add, you know, break dancing, contemporary dance, gymnastics, yoga, yoga, capoeira. Like, yeah, there's no, there's very little. It's like, it's like humans moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And after a while, yeah, I got to that point with parkour. I was like, all parkour is really is a context for taking. It's like a mindset of movement. It, it, almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Which is where I got the name for the podcast, right? Okay, I feel like I sorry. can see where we're going with now. This, yes. Anyway, I'm there's sorry, so I, much light. You're so much fun. I keep derailing you. I'm like, <laughs> hey, like you have really cool things to say. I need to shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, anyways, love you, Craig. <laughs> What the hell was I saying? See, God, it, I sat, it's, it was brilliant. You, you were talking now. about breakdancing, circles, <laughs> closed structures, and then people said, hey, you're doing rail flow, do breakdance. Hey, yeah. you're doing this. Yeah, so eventually you get to a point with parkour, at least I did, where you stop seeing it as a thing unto itself and more like a context for repurposing different types of movement mm-hmm. and placing mm-hmm. it in three dimensions. That's the big thing about parkour. All these other systems take place on a two-dimensional flat plane, 
And all parkour does is like pick out little pieces of that and go, I can combine those and put it on blocks and squares and tubes. Parking garages, right? You know, which equal parking garages and <laughs> shopping malls. I don't train on parking garages. Other you places keep where they <laughs> don't yet have signs that say, Same. don't do parkour. Because really, what are you saying when you put the, what kind of symbol is that? Like, don't use your limbs. Don't walk like an Egyptian, right? <laughs> are we going to hand out rascal scooters to get back to your car? Uh, apparently. Thanks to parkour. Yeah, we thought we were like breaking the system. But now it's we're just probably going to have a backlash and make it worse for everyone. Sorry. Mm. Sorry, I just like climbing things hmm. and jumping off of them. I had no idea it would where this was all shove going us further into, into sedentarism <laughs> and screen-based living. But how do you really feel about? Oops. The whole- <laughs> do you want to unpack your Fortress of Solitude plan anymore, or so my my goal with my own training now is to well, one longevity is you know I'm 37 now and. My training has to, A, sustain my best movements, my most fun dynamic movements, while B, allowing me to either preserve or expand my, what I, what I continue to call my middle range activity. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't expect to be doing, you know, 10 foot rail prees forever, but I do expect to do seven foot rail prees almost forever. Yeah. So at know? least till 50 and then we'll take a foot off. Yeah. And so, but the problem with that is rehabilitation is boring. Um, there's a certain amount, there's a certain amount of that that's just going to have to be. And, you know, as a physiologist, I, I do still get kind of excited by what I can feel happening when I just like squeeze a pillow between my leg and be like, oh, that's, that's a weird groin imbalance. I wasn't aware, but not everyone's going to get to that level. So what I have to, and I'm not at that level most days. Most days I just am getting through it. Is there a way that I can combine it with all the silly, fun, goofy stuff that I like to do that aids both? Can Keeps I you engaged. Yeah, can I rehab while breakdancing? Can I rehab doing parkour? Can I re- so my whole mindset is like, how can I do this in the healthiest way possible? Can I still do back handsprings in a way that is sustainable into my fifties? Well, sure, if you a, constrain the amount of time you're doing back handsprings. And B, every time you do one, you're completely honest about how it feels. If I do one and it's and it kind of hurts, A, where does it hurt? B, did it hurt because of a technical problem? C, can I fix that with in within the next two or three handsprings right. to make it a sustainable handspring? And if I can't, then I work on something else today. You know, just the maturity that comes with having developed dynamic movement, but now viewing it as less a game of progression and more of of a game of conservation Mm. and seeing the ability to just do that is your gift. Cause if you can sustain enough power to do a back handspring, you can sustain enough power and mobility and health to do damn near anything. The laundry monster is trivial, right? Right. Right. So I use certain calisthenics and acrobatic and parkour movements now as my benchmark to health and less about, you know, less about my, there, there's less goal setting. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to interrupt and say personal quest for success, but like, yeah, it, like now you're up on plane and loving life. And I would like to have that continue happening. Yeah. So yeah, like I don't, I don't like doing pistol squats, for example, but if I can do one, then I know that I can do all these other movements. Mm. And if I 
if I do my warm up and I can't do a pistol squat, if there's a weird tweak or if there's some minor thing in some other part, like I'll derail the whole workout and just roll a ball into my calf for 20, 30 minutes first and then go back to it. And if I still don't have it, that's not my day. Right. But I still use the most fun, interesting, powerful movements as my, as my guide towards rehab. And that's my main area of focus as I, as I get older, but yeah, but it like, also allows re- me to keep learning. Yeah, rehab's like I, I want to say rehab's the wrong word. It's almost like the it's not prehab. It's just like living. Prehab's in, good though. You know, living in, but even prehab, yeah, prehab kind of means you're preparing. But anyway, it just feels to me like it just means you're fixing the injury before you got hurt. That's yeah, smart. But, yeah, that's <laughs> good point. Oh shoot, I should do that. That's what. I'm, but I was thinking for for rehab. I think there is a piece. All right, now I'm going to go out like thinking out loud here on recording. I think there's a piece missing. And I don't know if this is because all the people that I trained who were the coaches that trained me were younger than me, but I always felt like there's this piece missing where there's a love of parkour that's communicated and there's a skill set that's like, all that stuff is there. I'm not knocking the coaches, Mm -hmm. but there's always been this thing where I always felt like I'm trying to actually accomplish something different than what, and I like, Doug Craig, you're 20 years older than the coaches. And, but I don't know what the name for it is. And you're talking about it, but you're also calling it rehab. And I'm like, yeah, it's not rehab. It's and I don't want to say something, Charlie, it's living, you know, it's day-to-day movement, but it really is. It's but this, it is. It's, yeah. But I feel like there should be a word for that. We have a word for rehab. We have a, we have a word for progression. We all, know, we all know what rehab is for. We know what prehab is for. We know what progressions are for. Mm-hmm. And then there's something else, which is like this parkour and daily life thing that doesn't really have a name, which kind of makes it a second-class citizen. I don't know. I'm rambling. Just thinking I off. call it maintenance. Yeah, but maintenance is also that crappy <laughs> stuff you do. Fun. Like somebody has to clean the gunk out of the out of the the dryer vent. That's also maintenance. I'm like, yeah, it's not maintenance, but I mean, it is maintenance. But I feel like we should have a name that's cooler than what they're all. They stole all the cool names. We need a cooler. I know. Name. There's a gap there. My my marketing minded friends, <laughs> marketing minded listeners. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> For making rehab fun, yeah. but it's true. You know, I mean, the one of the easiest ways is to tie some bigger goal to it, right? But then you still have to do the rehab movement. So yeah. get, getting back to the PK Silver study, like that was that entire study was almost a practice in making rehab fun. Because mm-hmm. half the half the curriculum consisted of standing around, sitting properly, standing properly. Like, well, how's that fun? Yeah. Well, what if getting in and out of your car was like a nine-step process, which was part of a larger context yeah, like of like sounds. being on a heist? I went with it, right? You know? <laughs> It's like, okay, I'm going to give you a fake bag of jewels. You're going to tuck it in your arm. You're going to grab on to the, you know, you're going to grab onto the little strap inside your car. You're going to squat. You're going to spin. You're going to place it in your, you're going to place the jewels in the passenger side bag. You're going to strap on your seatbelt. You're going to turn the key. And if you make a sound doing it, you're busted, right? You have to do it again and again and again and again. And I didn't get to see this, but we actually had days where we would practice, you know, car heists. I was going to say, you didn't just make that up on the fly. Like there that was, was a whole visual No, that was actually, that, that was like week just, seven. Yeah. <laughs> like that was in the curriculum. Heist. There's a movie about that. We're like, that. okay, yeah. for today's obstacle adventure, we're going to get in and out of the car. Super cool. Because we just stole something and we have to do it perfectly, <laughs> you know? So you can use the, I guess you could use the same hooks that we used to get, because what, kind of the, the, you know, the question like, okay, parkour, fun, cool. But what is it good for? Running from the cops? Ha, 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 ha. Mm. It's like, wow, there's actually, there's something in there that's, mm. you know, that can be used to attract almost anyone. 
you know, or, or make the, the simple movements fun. It's like, yeah, we are on a heist right? and heists aren't all flash and dash. There's a lot of planning right. that goes into this, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you trip and fall face first into your car after you've completed the heist, <laughs> everything has to be perfect like, for right. me to be. Okay. Right. It's not over until you've gotten out of your car and you're in your safe house right. counting your, your money. money. <laughs> <laughs> So I say many times that I love to collect stories because hearing what stories people choose to share and then, of course, how they tell the story, that gives you a real good insight into what they're passionate about and the type of person they are. We've actually kind of been telling stories the entire time here, but I'm wondering if there's a particular story that you would like to share with us. So I was in Nepal (laughs) and um, we were, this was after the trek, we'd done the whole, oh, the Himalayas are so tall and, and we were on our way down. And we stopped in this town, Jomsom, uh, for a day just to walk around. And I was just walking the streets, watching people do what they do. And I saw this guy bring out a goat on his front stoop. And I looked, it's a butcher shop. And I'm thinking to myself, is this dude going to slaughter this goat like right here, right now? Wish I had popcorn, you know? (laughs) So I sat down across the street and I'm like, oh. God, he's going to do it. How is this dude going to do it? And it was awesome. It was so systematic. There was not a single wasted motion. He walked the goat and the goat didn't waste any movement either. It's like he knew it. He was ready. You know, he just walked out, pat him on the butt, sat him down, put out like three different size buckets, hung up a big, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but like a lattice work, but hung it vertically on the outside of his shop, put on his apron whipped out his kukri, which is like the national weapon in Nepal. It's this really cool looking curved like buck knife. And they use it for everything. The military uses it. Chefs use it. There's just kukris everywhere. And uh, brings the goat over, sits down, pets him a couple times, slits his throat. And then over the next 10 minutes, separates this goat into like a soup into chunks into cuts and steaks and skins it and hangs it up like a blanket wipes his knife off takes his apron off sticks his kukri back in his hip and takes everything inside and it happened like lightning fast obviously this dude has kukri a goat or two in his day maybe 2000 and when he went back and said, like, I was just jaw dropped by it, just watching it the whole time. And one of the first thoughts that came to me was that was so parkour. And I didn't even know what I meant by it, but it was mostly about the efficiency and the path that he took from A to B, which was walk goat out as a goat, walk goat back in as sustenance and a blanket and comfort and all these things I needed utility strong efficient utility from a to b and perfect and i felt uh i felt really inadequate after watching that i was like i just jump around this dude this dude can parkour wow (laughs) so then i had a kombucha to just go and think about it for a while And of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Play good forever. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you very much, Sean. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I don't encourage bad grammar. It just sounds better. Thank you, Craig. (laughs) (laughs) This was episode 51. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash 51. There's more to the Movers Mindset Project than just this podcast. Visit our website for more free content, to sign up for our newsletter, or to read about how you can support this project. And I'll leave you with a final thought from Colin Wright. You have exactly one life in which to do everything you'll ever do. Act accordingly. Thanks for listening.